Wings Up, a podcast about FAMU athletics, is here to talk about FAMU in a positive light, what's going on, and always keep you abreast as to the most up-to-date events related to FAMU athletics, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, or even FAMU golf. We're going to talk about it. We're going to bring it up to the light. We're going to share it so that you can brag and tell all your other friends in the swag that FAMU is the greatest school on this side of heaven. I'm Keith Hadley, and I am a graduate of Florida University, and I also run the FAMU Fifth Quarter on Twitter. Like the Twitter page, follow it, and make sure you share it with your friends so that they can keep up to date as to how great FAMU is, so that if they're not a rattler, they can know their kids need to be. All right, greetings and salutations. Another episode of Fangs Up here, and thank you to all those who listened last night. I apologize for the audio quality. That lightning storm obviously did something to the quality of the audio. I listened back a little bit. I was like, man, I, I, I can't, I can't let that slide. I'm gonna let it sit up there for the YouTube because it was live. But I'm not gonna put that up there for y'all listeners to listen to. But if you want to listen to it, it's, it's good content and it's a lot of the similar content. But I got a lot to add. I mean, not a lot, but a little. And today we're going to be talking about family basketball, family baseball, football, and we're going to go inside the den. Who are the top DBs? Like, who are the guys that came back from last year that you need to know about? And we're going to do a preview of the Albany State football game. And so the little extra you get is uh, we got some news for the basketball team and the baseball team that I wasn't able to put into the show last time, not formally. And FAMU's basketball team continues to recruit, and we're seeing the fruits of our labors, fruits of our efforts. And one of them is obviously MJ Randolph, undoubtedly probably one of my favorite players from last year's team. And he is going pro this year. He decided not to come back. And he's going to be at, he was not going to be, at UNLV, their Thomas and Mack Center. That's where they used to play basketball. I don't know if they still do. I think they might. But if you're not familiar, the they did build a new arena in Las Vegas where the hockey team plays, the T-Mobile Center, unless they change names. But he was at the NBA HBCU Showcase, and that was on July the 11th. And we'll see. Hopefully he gets a shot. I, I think MJ is going to get a shot in the G League or overseas. I I wasn't sure that he was going to get drafted. I, I hate that he did not get to do Summer League because I think that would have been a good opportunity for him to show his skills. I think a team like the Magic would do well to have him at least come on for some type of aspect, maybe if it's even playing in Lakeland. I think that's a good opportunity for him to be able to get the experience to show that he has the chops to play in the NBA because he can score. He can defend. The question is, how is he from range? Because I think that's where some of the questions may come in. And just how does he transition as an overall NBA player? But I'm biased. MJ, I think he can make it. But again, I'm biased. But that being said, FAMU women's basketball. Coach Pillow, I like how she came up there on ONG Strike Zone the other day and I love how honest she was. Some people were like, man, she maybe she's too honest, but I'd rather a coach tell me, no, we're going to win five games next year than for you to tell me, no, we got, we're going to go undefeated, great season, and then lay an egg and make excuses. Like, no, nah, she was real matter of fact. She was honest about what the program has been, where it is, and things like that. And I thought, to me, 
that endeared her to me because I personally, I want 10 wins. I, I've said it on this show over and over again. 10 wins is the mark for me. Three to four wins last year, that was terrible. But I think 10 wins shows double-digit improvement. And it also means you won some games in the conference. I think the saving grace is that we beat Cookman once last year. Second time we got molly but we beat them once. And part of that means the acquisition of players, and that means making offers. And she shared that going into next year, she'll recruit more high school athletes. But this year, she's recruiting transfer students. Why? She knows her job's on the line. She she knows she can't stand, she can't have that kind of three-win season again. And it wasn't all her fault. She even mentioned, before I could even type it in the chat, because I was in the chat, COVID and injuries. COVID and injuries decimated that team. It made it almost to the point where the team was unable to compete at times because of the advent of COVID-19. Because with that COVID being there, how are you supposed to win a game? How are you supposed to field a winning roster when you honestly have eight players on the court? That That's, that's not going to work, especially with the defense. And we saw in the first half of games, we were competitive, and in the second half, we completely fell off. It's just we would get curb stomped at the end of those games because we were tired. We didn't have the – it wasn't even the requisite talent. We didn't have the depth to be competitive. And she's addressed that issue largely this part by going across the nation. Coach Pillow has gone international to get players. We're talking England, Spain, all, all across the country, all across the world to get talent and to bring them into FAMU. And she was honest. Some of those players came to her and said, hey, I, I want opportunity. So I, I, I'm excited because we were able to see that Sydney Hendricks, a 5'11 forward, she's from Michigan, was offered. And that's a need. That's a need. I, I don't know if she plays forward here at FAMU at 5'11, but. It's a good addition if we can get it. She's a 2023 prospect, which means she'd be coming in for next year. Again, true to Coach Pillow's word, high school players are for next year. College players are for this year. And let's continue to use that. Let's use the fact that we have the LeBron brand and those things to recruit players and to say, hey, you want those new LeBrons? Come to FAMU. You ain't got to pay for them. And you got them in your school colors. And ain't nobody else got these because I. I, like a lot of you, am clamoring to be able to get these shoes, and we can't buy them. It's stupid. But, uh, yeah, FAMU basketball is trying to make some moves. FAMU baseball, though, and Coach Shoop does not get enough credit. We need to donate more money to that man and to that program. We just lost our pitching coach to Tallahassee Community College, and I wish Coach Henry the best. Well, we got a signing, and it's Blake Pacheco. He's a 6'2", 180-pound outfielder slash right-handed pitcher from Jacksonville, Florida, and Sandalwood High School. So when you see OF, that means outfield, RHP, telling you he's a right-handed pitcher. And Coach Shoup was a pitching coach. Coach Henry was our pitching coach. We're going to see if we fill that void. But I, I, I'm, ex- I'm wanting to see continued growth from our pitching rotation. I think as the season went on, they got better. Early on in the season, our pitching rotation wasn't – I don't know if they were comfortable yet. I, 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 I would love to catch Coach Shoop and ask him what's some of his strategy about those games that are non-conference because, honestly, the non-conference games aren't as important. If you win the SWAC, you're in. I think 
And that to me, I think that was kind of the modus operandi as far as how the baseball program was run. Like, hey, let's win the swag. Let's do well. And that's how we get to the baseball tournament. And we did pretty good. We shouldn't have lost to Southern that first game. But I digress. We did. And then we got put out by Southern later on in the tournament. But good to see more talent coming into the coffers at Florida A&M University and giving Coach Shoup more arms and more two-way players. I, I think that's one of the things. When you have a player that can play outfield or become a pitcher, the athlete is giving himself options and if you are playing games like MLB The Show, that's part of the video game where you're playing the road to the show, you're a two-way player. Now, the question is, much like on MLB The Show, the video game, does playing both positions make you unable to focus on one? Because I know for me personally, my guy is an outfielder and a pitcher. And once I focused on pitching, I became a better, I got better at the game. Like my player was like, oh, he get drafted random reference but it's still applicable if this guy is able to become a better pitcher does he just focus on pitching if he becomes a better outfielder and hitter does he just say oh no 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 hitting is going to be my thing i I think that's going to be an interesting thing and a 6'2 180 pound that's good size i mean especially for an outfielder that's good height i mean that ball gets near the near the fence back there at more kittles field he's got a chance to get it and That's something we need. And hopefully he's got a pretty hot bat. Uh, I mean, just saying, I I would like to see him do pretty well. I see when he played Haggerty earlier this year. Haggerty is down here in Central Florida, actually. He he was .33, which is good. Like, 33% is, I mean, that's a great baseball average. I mean, baseball is a game of failure. So we're, we're saying the Mendoza line is, when a guy is hitting 200 if you're hitting above 250 you're putting up great numbers if you're hitting 300 major major league baseball wise you're a millionaire multi-millionaire if you can average 300 baseball wise you're gonna be a rich guy especially you can get a couple dingers in there dingers being home runs so uh we're gonna see though he he, obviously he went one for three because he had one hit and three at bats so again game is baseball is kind of a game of math along with a little bit of chess. But I, I'm I'm wanting to see how does, how does this continue to develop as far as for family baseball, especially as far as us bringing a new coach. How does this affect us in recruiting? And I will stress this again. Can we get a pipeline going from Tallahassee Community College now that we have a coach that came from FAMU that's at TCC? And maybe can we as a fan base do a better job of funding this program? So... Those are my big ideas and things on that first section there, y'all. The rest of the show is going to be dedicated to football, though. So we're going to talk about family football. We have offers. We had two signings. Yesterday we had one, and now we have two. And that's something that we obviously are going to be excited about as a fan base. We're also going to talk about the top t- top DBs as well as our Albany State preview. This thing's up. All right, y'all, welcome back. And FAMU football has been the gem of the program. It is the jewel of the university as far as academics, athletics, the whole kidney caboodle, if you want to say. It's FAMU football right now, and they're, they're definitely the most active program visually as far as from a fan base. And especially if you follow Coach Rispis, Coach Two Bless on Twitter, you're, you're able to see a lot of the activity that's going on. Also, if you want to see the activity that's going on, 
follow the FQ Family Twitter page or the Fangs Up Twitter page. Because if you're not following one of those, what are you doing? Like, I, we're posting stuff every day. I'm just saying, it's it's hot. The fish grease is hot over here, and I keep dropping brim in them, baby. So, uh, but one of those offers is Cameron Keys. Cameron Keys is a six foot, one hundred and sixty pound defensive back from Lynn Haven Mosley High School in Lynn Haven, Florida. It's just Mosley High School, but I'm from North Florida. I can't help it. It's Mosley High School, Lynn Haven, Florida. If you're not sure where that is, it's Panama City. It's right next to Panama City. He's a 2024 recruit. I tried to get the huddle playing, but I could not get it to work on the live. The internet was acting all kind of wonky. But nice size for a DB 2024 recruit. FAMU needs to continue to recruit the panhandle. The panhandle is ours. That's ours. All the way to Pensacola is ours. And hopefully we continue to invest in the program because if not, West Florida is going to become D1 as well. And they have very nice facilities for a school that is that new um just giving you a fair warning next one is marquise montgomery he's a 6'5 205 pound receiver from snow college and he's a 2023 recruit he's a transfer and i if you look at his film because this huddle is up there a lot of deep balls a lot of mossing going on a lot of run the route throw a hand up throw the deep ball and you just see the quarterback looking like he's throwing the ball in a bucket just all right let me step and comfortably throw to this guy that's taller than the corner i would like to see that i would like that at famu i would love to have some mossing going on because we all know what's gonna happen somebody get mossed at bragg stadium we're gonna lose our stuff it's gonna be oh you got mossed you got mossed y'all know how we act and y'all know we don't know how to act. Like a six-five receiver, like we all, all the dudes gonna be talking about if we were that tall, what we would do, everything else, all of that good stuff. Like, but yeah, a six-five receiver, I'm here for it. I, I would love to have that kind of height, just as one a guy that in the red zone you got to pay attention to, but also as a option or something, somebody that's gonna give secondary fits because there aren't a lot of six-five DBs. Six one down to five foot six. Yeah. Six five, not a lot of them. Other guy we're gonna recruit is or we've offered is Marquez Phillips. He is a six two one eighty five receiver. He's a transfer from Virginia State University. And I accidentally called him a DB online and he corrected me and I appreciate it though, because I'm not petty. I'm not gonna lie. I appreciate the fact that you're like, yo, I'm I'm listed as a receiver because I missed it, but uh, Phillips, I, I I haven't seen a lot of his film at Virginia State. I, I'm interested to see how that works out because we just took a Division two receiver from Wayne State, and they're about the same height, actually, same height, similar build. I don't know if they're similar speed or not, but I'm intrigued to see how this is going to work out, and if he comes on at FAMU, I would not be surprised if maybe he doesn't go to a FAMU. If he gets an offer from a school like a – uh, Morgan State, I wouldn't be surprised just because proximity, area, maybe even Hampton, one of those schools there. But I, I would I would wonder how that goes just as far as how many more receivers is FAMU looking to get because we just lost a player. We just had a student transfer out of the program uh, yesterday, day before, because I happened to notice the guy was up there and posted some stuff. And I was like, that thing says he's transferring out. 
I was like, I'm not going to break that news because I don't have it official yet. But then fairly soon, right after, he's like, yeah, I'm out. I'm transferring. I'm like, oh, my bad. I should have said something. I'm glad I didn't, though, because, again, y'all know I'm not really here to break news. I'm, I'm just here to share it. <laughs> Another guy we offer is going to be a local product, though. Christopher Williams, 6'5". He's listed at 350. I don't know how true that is, but he is listed at 350 by some. And... That's a big old boy. Uh, but he attended Rickards High School on the south side of Tallahassee, literally round the corner from FAMU. And he originally was at Florida State. He came on as a preferred walk-on, and he, he entered the transfer portal. And before he could get in the transfer portal good, he had an offer from Florida a University. I can tell you that. Like, they were not playing. And I would not be surprised if he signs. Uh Especially if he is 6'5", 350. I saw his film. I want him as a defensive tackle. I'm just saying. Uh, that I I want you in the middle. Put you on a... You sit on that bench press machine and you lift weights. And if we can get him down to 320 and... What? That is... That would be a monster in the middle. I'm just... Like, just having to move that much mass as an offensive lineman would be hellacious and it would help clog the middle against teams that want to run the ball you put him in the middle put general hunt or another guy to the left or the right of him and now you have a guy that can i don't know if he plays defensive line but i'm speculating i would love him on the defensive line that size playing defensive line that literally clogs the middle just clogs the line of scrimmage and then you have another very active defensive tackle along with some defensive ends all of a sudden you make it very difficult for teams to run the ball. And that that makes teams one-dimensional. That, to me, plays in your favor as a defensive staff and a program, which I, I believe I believe Coach Smith is already on it. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not, not going to lie. I think he kind of has that vision because FAMU's defense last year, we were talented, and then we were vanilla. Like, it wasn't, oh, man, these, like, crazy, complicated schemes the dude just flat could coach and put people in the in the position to succeed. And very often we saw that you didn't have to run exotic blitzes because you had the talent to fill in the gap. And I just wonder, does this guy, if he comes to FAMU, switch over to the defensive line? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm I'm gonna I'm going to irresponsibly speculate that this gentleman could be a defensive tackle by his junior or senior year because that size, that weight, I think would transfer to the NFL. Especially, again, being able to cut weight and get down to a muscular 320 or 330, I think that gives you a solid chance of playing at that level and being a nose tackle. Because we've seen where the nose tackles in the NFL have gotten smaller. Aaron Donald's not a huge dude. He's like 280. He's just yoked up. He's a menace, but we've seen where he, he can get dominated by bigger linemen. But he's just so active. And I wonder, 6'5", 350, get you in the weight room, get you, you know, get you eating healthy and eating right. I think, I think you got a future, young man. I'm just saying. Last one of the offers is going to be Brandon Winton Jr., six foot, 175 pound athlete from IMG that is down in Bradenton, Florida. I don't think we get him. Um, he's a 2024 recruit. And the reason I say I don't think we get him is because Besides the fact he is at IMG, we kind of see FAMU's 
making those efforts to get out there. Right? And I'm not going to lie to y'all. I, I, I'm not going to start lying and telling you, yeah, we're going to get every kid. No, we're not. And I'll be honest, I really don't get that excited over the students until they sign. Until you're committed to FAMU, I'm happy that you got offered. I'm I'm glad that you got something. But I'm not about to start flipping flipping and doing dances because you got to offer the fam or because you came on a visit. We've seen too often these students come on visits, they get the HBCU experience, and they go somewhere else. And, I mean, that's fine. Uh, I don't blame you. I would go to the best place available as well. But at the same point, I'm just going to say that I'm happy, <laughs> but I'm also going to curb my enthusiasm at this moment. So, But I'm happy for him. Congratulations. Now, what I am excited for, yay! <laughs> FAMU's got some signings, and one of them is on the offensive line. Tory Q. Bateman, 6'8", 305-pound offensive lineman. He transferred from Louisville and Troy University from Gaston, Alabama. Alabama, Gaston City, Alabama. I don't know how far that is from Tallahassee, and I'm not going to Google it right this second because I'm on the radio and you can't see live. But um, if I if we had the visual up I, and the internet was working right, I would, hey, let's Google it. Let's see how far that is. I'm pretty sure that's not too far from Tallahassee. That's important. We need we need the family to come watch him. Also, you have Tyler Riley. He's a long snapper from Tallahassee Lincoln High School. He's transferring from another university, and that's a position of need. Long snapper is always going to be a position of need, a position of want, and that's what we need. I, I, I needed the signings. I needed that because these past couple weeks, we've offered, we've had visits, and students kind of faked us out a few times, but... We have got two signings, both kind of on the offensive line, defensive line area. And I, like I said, I would not be surprised if the uh, Christopher Williams commits to FAMU pretty soon. I, 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 that's just me. You're right at home. Your mama's there. Your papa's there. Everything else. Peanut, little pistol starter, the whole crew's there. And they can watch you play. But we're going to come back, y'all. We're going to finish the show. We're going to go inside the den. And then after we go inside the den, we're going to talk about this Albany State game. We might try to put them together. I might put a commercial break between the two. We'll figure it out. It's fangs up. All right, y'all. Welcome back. And I had to fix something real quick. I accidentally put the wrong name on one of the graphics there. So what happens when you're doing too many things at one time? But inside the Rattler's Den, or inside the den, it's not the Rattler's Den. The Rattler's Den is a place on campus. Not doing that. Inside the den, uh, the top DBs that are returning and... There's obviously one that you know about. You shouldn't be arguing with me. I'm not going to argue with you. It's B.J. Bowler. He's number 11. He is 5'9", 180-pound senior. He transferred from Mercer, but he went to high school at Ocoee High School near Orlando, Florida. It's in the city of Ocoee, but Ocoee is five minutes from Orlando, if we're going to be that nice to say. It's next to Orlando, actually. Uh, But last season, he played in 12 games. 41 tackles solo, 11 assisted, meaning 52 tackles. He averaged 4.3 tackles per game. He had four interceptions on the season. If he had averaged four interceptions, oh, gosh, per game, that would have been stupid. Uh, But he also had one fumble recovered. And most notably, the play that you definitely remember him for is the fumble recovery at the Florida Classic. That was huge, like cathartic 
all kind of other things. It was the biggest thing out there as far as one of those plays. And I personally was excited to see it. I think it was one of the better things that happened for our program as far as us being sure that we were able to get over that hump. Like, And he has other interceptions. He has an interception against Mississippi Valley State, and he's received national awards already as far as preseason notifications as well as being on the watch list for some NFL teams. So don't be surprised if BJ is not thrown at a lot. I think he could play multiple corner positions. I, I think he could play either boundary corner, but I like him in the nickel. I Something about a corner that's got that size, I love putting them in the nickel position. That That's just my preference and my taste. I just like a 5-9 corner in the nickel every once in a while. I think he's going to match up very well there. Next guy is going to be Courtney Cox. He's number 12. So he had number 11. Now we got number 12. He's a 5'11", 185-pound DB, really corner, but DB from Cedar Grove High School in Decatur, Georgia. Decatur, where it's greater. He's a senior, and he played in 10 games last year. 20 solo tackles, 5 assisted, 6 assisted. Sorry, the microphone cut off part of my vision there. That He had 26 tackles total, and... That's a good number. I mean, as far as for a secondary that very active and benefited, you, you're going to see that that's a good amount of tackles, 2.6 tackle average. He also had an interception and a forced fumble. So FAMU's defense was very active, especially the secondary, because they had a great defensive line in front of them. Now, one more guy from the secondary that you need to know about is Javon Morgan. He's number two. He's 5'11", 185 pounds, and he's from Florida High, from Tallahassee. So some of y'all may say FSUS, it's Florida High. Just like some of y'all say FAMU DRS, it's FAMU High. We, we're not going to do that today. We, we're going to call it what it is. Uh, but the former Seminole played in 10 games, 13 solo tackles, 3 assisted, 16 tackles total, 1.6 average, and 3 interceptions. Ooh. That's a good number right there. That's a good number. Like what you're seeing here is FAMU secondary. Each one of the top players that I listed had an interception. But beyond having an interception, each one of them had a good amount of tackles. And if you look at a lot of the film and the video, FAMU gang tackles very well. FAMU's defensive line was very active, causing and raising havoc throughout pretty much against almost every team they played except for Southeastern. Um, that's the only team that were really – it didn't matter whatever we did. They, they had us then when they got that special teams play on us, that to me was when the game was over. Like at that point I was watching it for poops and giggles just to say, Hey, we made the playoffs. Now how effective we're going to be in the playoffs. It non-existent at that point, but it, it was what it was. And we lost, they beat us, but the secondary continued to be one of the strongest parts of this defense. I feel like next year, again, FAMU's secondary is going to be great. The linebackers are gr- are really good. My only question is maybe the def- defensive ends, and that's just because I don't know if Isaiah Lane qualifies as a defensive end or a linebacker. I kind of don't care <laughs> if I'm being fully transparent. If you saw the previous episode, I compare him to a Telvin Smith. If you're familiar with the guy that used to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Telvin Smith was a nightmare, even at, even at Florida State and in Jacksonville. Like, People couldn't. The only thing that stopped Telvin Smith was Telvin Smith. 
if he hadn't gotten in trouble, he'd probably still be in the league or just about to retire. Like, he was an undersized linebacker that could play defensive end and that really became a rusher. And I think that's the archetype for what you get from Isaiah Land as far as that type of player. And I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Jacksonville drafts him, not because they suck, but because you've already seen what a player like that can do in Jacksonville. Why don't you just get another one in that same mold and same model and just say, hey, learn from his mistakes. Don't do the dumb stuff he did. Uh, that's just me. So FAMU's secondary is strong. I mean, their entire defense, is, the entire defense of Florida University is really solid. I, I don't think you have anybody on the defense where it's just like, mm, not going to be able to do it. I don't see it. I think the entire secondary and defense is strong for the most part. Now, we're going to merge these two, so I don't hold you too long. The Albany State preview. FAMU's third game of the season is against Albany State. We open with UNC. Then we're going down to the 305 to play at Hard Rock Stadium to play Jackson State. Mm, This could be the game where we're either looking for a win or we're looking to go above 500. Unless something catastrophic happens at UNC, I highly doubt we win that game. With Jackson State, I think that game's closer than people think. I think late in the game, it could get away from us if we lose. But I don't think that's if you if you're just saying fam, you didn't have a chance to win that game. I, I think you I think you sample the devil's lettuce. That's a nice way of saying you're smoking something. But this game, fam, you should win. I don't think it's a blowout though. And that's because Albany State's a good team. Albany State went 10-2 and last year. Every team they played last year was a Division II football team. They did not play any Division I teams. But that stated, they had a good season. They, they were the SIAC champions last year. They used to be in the SIAC many moons ago. They also made the playoffs. Again, making the playoffs. Uh, th- that guy's got a tradition up there. And I'm not going to lie, if... If we're not careful in the next couple years, that guy's going to be at somebody else's school if you're an Albany State fan. Just saying. Uh, They're predicted to win the SIAC's Eastern Division this year because they just had the SIAC Media Days about three days ago now. And they're a run-heavy offense. And this is why I say this game is going to probably be closer than you think. They don't like to throw the ball a lot. And we even saw our own football coach, Willie Simmons, and I keep referencing them, but on the strike zone, he was saying when we had to throw the ball a lot, we didn't win games. When we ran the ball, we won more of our games. So you starting to see Coach Simmons kind of look at look to the left, look to the right, look at his playbook and say, if I run the ball, I can win some more games. And he pointed out how the teams that are more successful at the FCS level tend to be teams that are able to run the ball. And we're able to see, and I pointed out myself, that – when FAMU came to the SWAC, one of the things that we brought with us was a run game. And the run game traveled across the SWAC. And it was just one of those things that those teams just were not able to handle. And I think if FAMU is successful this year, it's something that happens again. And I'll be honest, I look for Bethune-Cookman to do the same. I think they run the ball a lot down there at Daytona. We'll talk about that later. But they're going to play good defense and run the ball. That's what I think they do. I think FAMU goes a lot more towards that side of things where let's play good defense, let's run the ball. I I got the defensive talent. Now I just got to be able to run the ball. And I think 
Albany State is giving you an example of what a good running game can do for you. Again, 10-2, and and they, again, run heavy. Their defense only gave up 20 points twice last season, and in those games, they lost. They lost both those games that they gave up more than 20 points. So the magic number, if you're a fan, is 24 points. If you score 24 points, you're going to win this game because Albany State's passing attack is not strong enough. Not against a secondary that has those type of interception numbers where you're talking about as a unit, that secondary brought in about 10 interceptions. I, I could be wrong, but I just know right here on my sheet here, just between what, four, one, like what, seven, eight, something like that. I didn't scroll back up to count them because I didn't want them. It didn't make good radio, but family secondary solid. Albany state's going to want to run the ball and they're going to want to slow down the game. And by doing so, what happens is they can throw us off schedule. And if they throw us off schedule, we make a few mistakes. All of a sudden, we got a Jacksonville State, Florida State situation on our hands where we're looking like what the heck just happened here. And that cannot happen. That game is too important. I would almost rather have Fort Valley State over Albany State in this game because I'd be more comfortable with us being able to win that one. That's just being being honest. But this is going to be closer than the experts think. I, I'm giving it a score of 31-17. I feel like late in the game, Albany State's going to score some touchdowns. But I do feel like in the fourth quarter, we call off the dogs. Like I feel like we're up 21, maybe 24 points, maybe more, and we give up a few cheapies, give up a few cheap touchdowns. And instead of bringing the starters back in, we just let it ride out. Say, we're just going to let these underclassmen figure it out. I got 31-17, largely because Albany State likes to run the ball. Two, who's going to play quarterback at this point? Are we still shuffling quarterbacks? Because going into the UNC game, we're playing we're playing quarterback roulette. I don't love it, but I think going into that UNC game, we're going to play around and see who's going to be the starter. I think McKay starts. I think if McKay doesn't do well, he has a short leash especially if Musa knows the offense. If Musa don't know the playbook, it doesn't matter. Cuz I think Junior gets a shot, but I don't know I don't know again, I don't know. I don't know where Junior's at as far as how comfortable he is with the playbook going into year 2. I'm pretty sure he knows the plays, but again, that's just me being an honest person, being transparent. I'm not doubting the guy. I like Junior a lot. I'm I'm a fan. Like I'm I I've seen Junior dapped him up talk to I, I like junior i'm a fan but again coming from removing my fandom and being an honest i don't know how well any of them know the playbook i know mckay knows the playbook <laughs> and so i don't know how much weight that carries as far as playbook versus talent versus reading the defenses because i think mckay knows where the ball should go if you watch he knows where the ball should go i don't think he processes it as fast as some of the other quarterbacks, maybe in his reads, I don't know. But I think sometimes he doubts himself. That's 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 the right way to say that. I think sometimes he questions himself because he wants to be right. And I think he puts himself under a lot of pressure to be right and to be correct. And you can see that on the field. You can see that he he puts pressure on himself to be the best. And in doing so, he second guesses himself before he makes a move and that slows down his ability to get rid of the ball as quick as some of the other quarterbacks. 
that's just from watching watching him play, watching him on the field. You can see that. He holds himself to a high standard, and I like that. So who's going to be the quarterback, though? So going into this game, I think this is another one where if Jackson State doesn't work out the way we want it to, we're playing quarterback roulette to figure out, okay, who's going to finish out the season, and we're hoping Jackson State loses the game. But we got to be careful because we need to clog the line of scrimmage. I just talked about that transfer from Florida State uh, the from Rickers, Williams, 350-pound. If you can get a guy like that for this kind of game, throw his butt in the middle and just let him sit there. Just let him clog up the, the, the center, clog up one of those gaps between one of the centers and guards and make them have to run outside the tackles because all of a sudden you got to contend with our linebackers. You got to contend with our defensive ends, and that's that's just not going to be what you're going to want to do. Because speed for speed, you're not going to you're not going to beat us. You're not going to match us. And to me, that's the way that you have to do that. But also because you want to make it such that they can't run the ball, make them throw the ball. Because if they have to throw the ball, their quarterback's going to make a mistake. Just because all of a sudden, those big corners that FAMU has, those linebackers that. I think they're going to raise hell this year. They're going to wreak havoc. They start becoming more important. And all of a sudden, you start putting the game in your favor. But you have to force them to throw the ball. As always, with anything in football, force the other team to do what they don't want to do. For the longest time with Alabama, you were forcing them to really open up their offense opposed to running the ball. And you were forcing them as far as they're forcing them to guard or contend a mobile quarterback. Now I can't say the same thing. With FAMU, you're going to want to force FAMU to throw the ball. Force us to have to throw the ball because then FAMU has the targets, but then how far downfield is the ball going to go? How far, like, how quick are the reads going to happen? But then defensively, you have to put FAMU in a position where you can run the ball. If you can run the ball against FAMU, you can beat us. With Albany State, it's very similar. Force them to throw the ball because their drop-off is a lot bigger than ours because our quarterbacks can throw the ball. It's just who's going to be the quarterback. With theirs, can he throw the ball against his defense and get it out? And can his receivers get off the line? Can can his receivers match up against our six-foot corners? Because BJ is going to be there. 5'9 is going to be there. But when you put in that six-foot corner over over there, against some of those receivers and those safeties, I started asking questions about the matchup opportunity there. So that is how I feel about it. So I'm not going to do the full recap because we're pushing 40 minutes, almost an hour on your time. And I don't want to do that to you. So we're going to finish up. You got three men to know that is bowler is obviously one of them, Morgan and Cox. And I think FAMU wins the Albany State game 31-17, closer than the experts may think. And if you can bet on it, I wouldn't. (laughs) I would take the under if I could. If there is a line that is less than like 14 points saying, hey, FAMU's going to win by 20 points, take it. I I don't think, I don't know if we win that one by 21, 22 points because I do think we get a little conservative. It's going to be hot as hell out there. It's going to be Florida in the summer end of the summer really so that is it y'all i appreciate your time long episode we're gonna have a hopefully saturday sunday show it's gonna be a coaches special and we're gonna see if we can get james coleman former florida state football player on the show if not we're gonna just go on into our alabama a&m preview and keep talking about 
some of those guys that are coming into the secondary and special teams because we're going to finish up our player preview but continue talking about this preseason preview as always y'all thank you for listening this is fangs up hbcu digital network as well as fq famu and the fangs up twitter page are those that support us thank y'all fangs up